Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Thursday, May the 23rd edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we've talked a lot about Brian Flores, Patrick Graham, and this new defense coming south to Miami. But today's all about the offense. Scouting reports on Miami's underrated skill set, the hope for the offensive line, and what the pass catchers are saying about Josh Rosen and the way he spins the football, plus your questions via the Twitter mailbag, all of that and more. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on the new Himalaya podcast app. Leave us a rating, leave us a review on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Tuned In, Google Play, however you get your podcast, go ahead and let us know what you think of the job we're doing here. Follow me on Twitter. It's at NFL. The show is at LockedOnFins. And up on LockedOnDolphins.com, we have content for you guys every single day. Sean Diggity, one of our staff writers, wrote a piece today, as well as Andrew Mitchell. And I think Chris Kolowski did as well. So we have tons of content on the site, including my Minka Fitzpatrick piece, Josh Rosen piece, and Kevin Dern's defensive analogs piece from earlier in the week. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. It's a busy show. It always is. Let's go ahead and jump right in. First down on today's Locked On Dolphins podcast is brought to you by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your French trip. Book your own trip with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. I use Hotels.com every summer when I go to Seattle to watch the Mariners or when I go anywhere with my wife on vacation. It's the best place to book your trips. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. And let's go ahead and start off with this article that I actually just tweeted out. I'm recording this podcast early on Wednesday morning out here on the West Coast. And by early, I mean like 11 a.m. I just tweeted out the article by Adam Beasley of the Miami Herald because, frankly, I haven't seen something this optimistic or this refreshing regarding quality practices this time of year. Any point in the spring or summer, it seems like every single year we have to go through the same old tired drag of, well, the defense is supposed to be ahead of the offense. The offense is going to be slow to get out of the blocks. The passing game's not quite there yet. They're learning a new offense. Whatever the excuse may be, every single year we have to hear about balls hitting the turf, quarterbacks taking quote-unquote would-be sacks if they were allowed to get hit. Whatever the case may be, it's always been negative. So you go to this piece on the Miami Herald by Adam Beasley, and it's called Dolphins Rosen, or in OTAs, Dolphins Rosen shows why Dolphins traded for him. And to me, this piece is going to prop up a lot of these skill players and the talent the Dolphins have. And we'll do that here in just a minute as we will discuss this skill set in the second segment. But I think the coaching and the importance or the, the level of intensity in practice this week and the past couple of weeks at OTAs, I think that's what kind of defines 
what's happening on the field in terms of positing things occurring on the offensive side of the football in the preparation in the meeting rooms, having a clear and concise understanding of what's expected of these guys and the mindset they're supposed to bring to practice. We talked on yesterday's podcast about the guys hustling between drills. I just think this new mentality, this breath of fresh air and the staff that is rewarding but ultimately demanding is going to bring the best out of all these guys and let's go ahead and read some of these quotes from the players that are catching passes from Josh Rosen again this directly from the article from Adam Beasley on the Miami Herald Bryce Butler says he's a young arm so he can throw the ball dart it 30 to 40 yards down the field he can throw the lob ball he's got a strong aggressive arm and that goes right into my scouting report where I talked about how Rosen has multiple different pitches in his tool bag and he knows when to use them Preston Williams, the undrafted free agent. I heard a great quote on the Move the Sticks podcast yesterday. They said, if you're a rookie, keep your eyes and your ears open and your mouth shut. Don't talk. And that's what Preston Williams does here. Quote, nice, tight spiral. End quote. Short and sweet. Kenny Stills. Quote, I don't know what the right word is for it, but it doesn't look like it's coming fast. Then it gets in front of you of your face and you see it spinning well and it's got some velocity behind it. He's a great player. He's got a great future. That's some high praise from Kenny Stills, who I don't think is going to bullshit you one way or the other. I think he's just being genuine because that's the kind of guy that Kenny Stills is. So Beasley goes on to talk about how Rosen's this quick study because last week it was a struggle for him the first week of practices and now he's got this best day in front of him or behind him I should say his best day of practice just looking fantastic throwing the ball being sharp in his reads and getting the ball to the right guys and he threw tons of touchdown passes more than Beasley could count he says and that to me is a testament to his work study his work habits and the coaching staff's ability to drill these routines and to drill these fundamentals into his head and make him a studious player and get the studious player that Rosen is to come out and show himself. I'm very excited about this, if you cannot tell. The article goes on to talk about Mike Kosicki catching touchdowns all over the place, about the competition between Ryan Fitzpatrick as well as Josh Rosen, and continues this point that this practice was just so sharp and clean and exciting and I haven't heard that this time of year. I'm going to reiterate that fact. It's not usually like this. It's usually about the other side of things. So very, very excited to hear about this. Let's go ahead and shift gears here and talk about some of these offensive skill players. And I want to start with Kenyon Drake, and then we'll spin it over to segment two and talk about the pass catchers and the offensive line. But Kenyon Drake... He, there was a tweet from the Miami Dolphins official Twitter account talking about some quotes from Kenyon Drake saying that he just wants to win football games. He's here to win. That's the only thing that matters to him. And maybe he is kind of towing this company line trying to get that new contract from the Dolphins. But I think that the Dolphins should oblige and go ahead and give him that new contract because number one, there is a clear relationship there with Brian Flores. He made a comment after the very first day of practice back before the draft on the initial voluntary minicamps saying that he would run through a wall for Brian Flores and he obviously has a good impression on him. And you just watch the way Flores communicates with the media. He's obviously a very likable guy, and I think that's going to really resonate with the players. So that relationship is strong. We know about the relationship with Eric Studsville, the running backs coach and running game coordinator, because last year after the Chicago game, when Drake damn near fumbled the thing away in the end zone and the Dolphins wound up winning anyways, that embrace at the end of the game showed a very strong connection there. So this coaching staff likes him. That's the point I'm trying to convey here. And we even heard Brian Flores 
Flores talk about how Kenyon Drake should study James White and the role he does up in New England. And wouldn't you know it, James White on a new contract is making right around $4 million per year. And I think he got about $6 million total of that contract guaranteed. I could probably go research it, but I just didn't do it. Nonetheless, the idea is that Kenyon Drake coming back to Miami on a new contract would be a very affordable contract to pay him right now because running backs are cheap, especially guys that are, and let's call it like it is, unproven in the way that Kenyon Drake is with very limited mileage on his wheels. I just love so much about the guy. He has incredible speed and game-breaking ability. He can break tackles and push the pile with tough yards once he decides he wants to get in there and push that pile. He was adept at pass protection, had a rough go last year, but I do believe he's good at that particular trait. He's a fantastic pass catcher, running fly routes from the slot, taking slant routes, running the swing routes from the backfield. He can flex out and catch balls running from the backfield. I just think the world of Kenyon Drake, I think he's really going to flourish this year and I would lock him up before he has a chance to show out and cash in next year in free agency. And if you lock him up on that cheap contract, you're paying him and Kalen Balazs like under $5 million per year for the next three years to be your one-two punch. And that to me is a really good looking young, aggressive, hungry one-two punch. All right, we're going to come back on the other side of the podcast and answer your Twitter questions, but also talk about the rest of this offense from Mike Gesicki to Kenny Stills and Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant and the offensive line on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, email alert and all at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. I was having a conversation on Wednesday morning with member of Twitter at Hancock is BTU. He goes by the name Hancock as his headline on Twitter about the greatness of sports movies and in particular baseball movies and even more particular the greatness that is Little Big League and the star of the movie. I know he wasn't the star, but he stole the movie at the end in Ken Griffey Jr. But that montage they run with Runaround Sue is just, it gives me nostalgia in the best way possible. So thank you, sir, for bringing that back to my attention. Let me play that song here on the podcast. Or I guess I should say reminding me to play that show or that song on the podcast rather. So thank you, sir, for that. And let's go ahead and get back into our offensive recap or offensive preview, whatever you want to call it. I just haven't spent that much time talking about these guys. And even though I just charted Josh Rosen, I'm working on charting Albert Wilson. I've been talking about Jakeem Grant and Albert Wilson's big play potential on the offense the last couple of days. I wanted to go ahead and talk about it on the podcast because... I think this offense is multifaceted in a number of ways that can create matchup problems for the defense, but also sustain drives by running the football and converting short down and distance on third and second down, but also hitting the big play because we talked about Kenyon Drake's explosive playmaking ability. Albert Wilson just makes big plays time and time again, as we'll find out from the charting project, how he scored touchdowns of 74 yards. He scored one from 29 yards against the Jets. He had those touchdowns against the Bears from 45 yards, I think it was, and also the 75-yarder, just constantly making it tough on the defense and providing that big play explosive opportunity. And you go to Jakeem Grant, who for my money 
isn't a duplicate of Albert Wilson because Wilson can line up anywhere in the formation. He'll line up in tight next to the formation. He'll split out wide with a plus split. He'll get into the backfield. He'll take jet sweeps. He is just so versatile in the things that he can do. And Jakeem Grant is not as versatile as a tailback type per se, although he has lined up in that position, but he can take jet sweeps. He can certainly run from the slot. He is a dynamite player on the outside as well. Recall that touchdown catch against the Patriots a couple years ago where he took Malcolm Butler to school. And I look at these guys in a 12 personnel package, and I've talked about it at length on the podcast. You put a couple tight ends in the formation, and that's going to force the base defense onto the field. And then you have 4-3 and 4-3 speed on either side of the formation. How do you deal with that? As long as you have the right types of matchups and play calls to, to really to capitalize on what those guys do best, then you're going to be so fluid across multiple formations that defenses aren't going to be able to prepare for you and plan for you. And the thing that really holds back these two players is the injuries because, frankly, Jakeem Grant mentioned he was still tight getting loose for practice on Tuesday. Albert Wilson's not even out there. Those were both pretty serious injuries. I do worry about that, especially because these guys are speed guys. But if they can get healthy, man, they could really take off in the offense this year. And Albert Wilson's here for two more years. He's not cheap, about $8 million per, but Jakeem Grant's due a new contract like Kenyon Drake, and I think he should get that deal as soon as possible too because through the first five games last year, I tweeted about it, 102 yards, 71 yards, 52 yards, and 18-yard touchdown plays through five games. That's as explosive as it gets in this league. And we go from that position and talking about those two guys, but we always seem to forget Kenny Stills, who just does a little bit of everything. He can get on top of the defense. And my favorite thing about Kenny Stills, you watch him on tape, is that every route looks the exact same. Even if he is not even part of the route progression, he's going to explode off a line of scrimmage and sell his route because that portion of the play is integral to setting up the defense to free up the other guy that might be the primary read in the progression. Kenny Stills is as selfless as it gets. He's an even better human being, but he can still play some damn good football. And I think that his statistics have kind of fallen off the last couple of years because of unshaky or because of shaky quarterback play rather. But I think that he's in line to have a big bounce back year as well. And speaking of bounce backs at the tight end position, Mike Kosicki, I think I, I'm not ready to sell out on Mike Kosicki yet because I think that he added some weight or I know that he added some weight, and I think that his role is going to expand exponentially in this offense, but also in a way that's going to use him the best because we've heard the coaches themselves say, we're going to develop this offense around the skills of these players. And Adam Gaze may have said the same thing, but he sure as hell didn't do it. It was not that way under the Adam Gaze offense. It was Frank Gore and Danny Amendola because I know those guys are going to do things the way I want them to. Well, Chad O'Shea and this new Dolphins coaching staff is going to do things that best suit what the Dolphins players on offense do in this offense. So Mike Kosicki, the added weight, maybe some better contact balance, maybe a little bit more fluid and confident in the things that he is doing. I could see Gasicki becoming a viable pass catching op- option on this offense and just don't put him in line to block. Keep him outside and make him a glorified receiver that way. So those are the guys that are going to expand your passing game and maybe give you better results in the passing game this year. It's going to be difficult to go backwards, but the basis of this offense to me is still going to be through the ground game, through Kenyon Drake and Kalen Balaj, headed by Chandler Cox as the lead blocker, but also this offensive line. And I talked about it, I think it was last week on the podcast, 
the path to the playoffs and how you can mitigate some of the shortcomings of the offensive line. And let's be real about it. Those shortcomings are all in pass protection. Well, maybe this group can push some guys off the football. And I refer to this tweet from Chris Kaufman at CK Parrot. If you believe Dolphin, the Dolphins could be better than most think, really does start up front. Over the last 13 years, PFF has given the run blocking of teams coached by Pat Flaherty and Dave DeGamo an average rank of 12.2 out of the 32 teams. And on the other hand, Chris continues, in the post-Sperano DeGamo era from 2011 to 2018, the Dolphins averaged a putrid 29.5 ranking in run blocking near the bottom of the NFL. So if that's where the Dolphins want to make the biggest improvement, it's to jump up in the run blocking and to shorten games and to get teams worn down in the Miami Heat. Chris continues here, but here's where things get interesting. DeGamo cut his teeth in the NFL, working for the Giants as an assistant under, you guessed it, Pat Flaherty. PFF didn't grade lines prior to 2006, but the 2006 through 2008 teams they coached together ranked 5th, 1st, and 7th in run blocking. So that's the big improvement from the offensive line. I think the skill set's vastly underrated. I just think this offense in general has a chance to be a lot better than people expect because, frankly, a lot of these guys are unknown names. Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant, Kenyon Drake, Kenny Stills to a lesser extent, Josh Rosen sure as hell is an unknown. The entire offensive line's an unknown. Mike Gesicki is a total unknown. But to me, I think some of those guys can really elevate their game and finally give this Dolphins organization some stalwarts at offensive positions because it's been a long time since they've had that pretty much across the board. Okay, we're going to come back on the other side of the podcast here, talk about some rule changes in the NFL, and dip our toes into the Twitter mailbag, and we'll get back into the Twitter mailbag on Friday's show. We'll do that next here. But first, before we head to the break, it is Thursday. I'm sure you're heading to happy hour after this. You want to look casual, but also professional, and that's why I'm here to tell you that today's show is brought to you in part by Untuck It. Men come in all different shapes and sizes, and so should their shirts, like tall, short, slim, relaxed. Ever wonder why your father's button-ups look so long and baggy at the end of the day? It can be hard for guys to pull off the casual, untucked look that isn't sloppy, and that's where Untuck It comes in. I've been using Untuck It shirts because I like to look casual, but also classy, and I don't have to tuck the shirt in like a square, and Untuck It is the solution that fits just right. Their shirts are specifically designed to look great untucked and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend. No tucking, no tailoring required. Go to untuckit.com, promo code LOCK, L-O-C-K-E, promo code LOCK, to get 20% off your Untuck It order. Going back to Adam Beasley in the opening segment of the podcast of the Miami Herald here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. He was at the league meetings down in South Florida and had a question for Roger Goodell at those meetings about Super Bowls in Miami. And Goodell basically kind of scoffed at the question. So that was pretty interesting. But there were a couple of rule changes that the NFL rather has instituted over the last 24 hours. Number one, the divisional round playoff times will change from the traditional 1 o'clock and 4.30 start times to 3 o'clock and 6.30 Eastern time. And that is, I guess, news, but news that we wouldn't have known about dating back to 2000 when the Dolphins last qualified for the divisional playoffs. I thought about making a joke on that on Twitter, but you know what? Forget that. Like, we can be self-deprecating all we want, but 
it's really just more painful than anything at this point, having no playoff success over the last couple of decades. They also announced that the Cleveland Browns, or I guess the city of Cleveland, will host the draft in 2021. So it goes to Vegas next year, Cleveland in 2021. I'm waiting for it to come out here to Seattle because I know this town would go nuts for an event like that, and they will show out big time but I haven't heard anything about the Seattle getting the draft, so we'll see if that can happen, or even Miami for that matter. I'm sure you guys down there would love it as much as I would. Some other rules that were proposed to have changes coming down the pipeline, the pass interference rule for challenging the PI calls is still in the works. No definitive word on that just yet, and they also decided not to change the overtime rules just yet. Let's go ahead and change gears here and jump into the Twitter mailbag. We'll get a couple of these questions done today and get to the rest on tomorrow's podcast. I put the call out early on Wednesday because... I have softball tonight on Wednesday, so of course recording the podcast early, so I didn't have time to get the mailbag out there and let you guys get the questions in, but you guys know the drill. I put the call out on Twitter, you respond with the question, I answer on the podcast and give you a shout out as well. And the first one here comes from Chris Murray, he is at MurrayC89 on Twitter. He asked me, since I charted Rosen and Tannehill's rookie seasons, who was better and who had more promise to you in those two rookie years? And I look at it like this. You're going to have ups and downs in your rookie season. Even Baker Mayfield had those last year during his tremendous rookie season. And I think that Rosen's peaks were fewer and his valleys were greater than Tannehill's rookie year. Even though Tannehill's rookie season was not impressive, the way he ended that season, that two-game stretch, I know they were irrelevant games against the Jaguars and the Bills, I think it was, but he looked very sharp in those games and gave us reasons for excitement. Plus, the playmaking highlight-level stuff has or had always been there for Tannehill prior to the 2018 season, the way he would break the pocket and make highlight-level throws all over the place and also give you that athleticism. There was also that stretch he had against the Cardinals and Bengals and Rams, I think it was, where he was very sharp early in the year. And so those two stretches to me were more impressive than Rosen's like one or two stretches that he had of impressive play. But I do think the cerebral aspect gives Rosen a lot more room for growth than really Ryan Tannehill ever had. Next question here from TJ Brackeen, at TJ Brackeen. What's up, TJ, man? Good to see you on the the old uh, Twitter streets out there. Based on what you know about the offense and defense, what nicknames would you give each of them? Both are considered multiple and unpredictable, so what do you think? That is a terrific question that is putting me on the spot. As far as the offense goes, it's got to be something with O'Shea, right? Like the little giants, Kevin O'Shea, and Count Me Down Becky and running through the glass mirror and everything. It's got to be something with Chad O'Shea. As far as the defense, I, I want to gear towards Minka Fitzpatrick, but I just, I don't have an answer. Maybe you guys can tell me. Hit me up on Twitter, at NFL and tell me what you would nickname the offense and defense. And TJ, you give me one too, man, because I want to hear it from you. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the next question. This one comes from IRL Grizzly, at Goddamn Bear. You have this roster and Chad O'Shea running it. How can you see this roster used at its high end? And can you see a path to success with it? I kind of did touch on that last week. And I mentioned the path to the playoffs and how this offense can have success by staying on schedule and not committing penalties, which has been a focal point of this regime trying to build a foundation. And that kind of goes back to some of the stuff I heard from that Daniel Jeremiah with Peyton Manning thing, where Peyton Manning said, those small details are never not important enough to put off. No matter how great you get, always start the offseason 
by learning how to take a snap. Start from step number one and build your program up. And I think that's the approach that Flores and O'Shea and these guys have had this first season is establishing that foundation of discipline and not committing stupid mental mistakes on the field. And from there, we'll add talent, we'll add flair, we'll add wrinkles into the offense and the defense, and we'll be a solid, sturdy foundation of a football team that can expand from there. And I expect that to be the case on offense. They're going to develop a running game. They're going to develop a no offsides or no penalties mentality. They're going to try to convert third down and short, and they're going to stay on schedule and let these guys make explosive plays in the passing game because every extension of the running game, those little first down screen plays, each of those gives Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant, or whoever a chance to take the ball all the way into the end zone and end the drive on the first play. And so I think Miami staying on schedule and allowing themselves to have multiple cracks at plays like that is the way this offense can have success. Next question from Rosenbud at Finsanity32. Do you think Miami will have interest in Josh Jones considering his age and connection with Patrick Graham? Yeah, why not? I think that's a great opportunity to explore a young player that maybe didn't work out his first go with the Packers. And you mentioned the connection there with Patrick Graham. And I've talked about how the safety is the most important position on this team, on this defense. And right now, to me, the Dolphins are lacking. In in 2019, they're lacking. In 2020, when I think McDonald and Jones could both be gone, they're going to be severely lacking. So yes, consider it. Find out what he wants, what the trade compensation would be, and explore that trade opportunity. Let's get to one more here. This one comes from Brown Bunny at Dragon Dragon Dre. Mailbag, just curious, did you ever play football in high school? Also, would you ever consider coaching in the future? I did not play high school football. My football career ended in eighth grade. I was a quarterback for my, they called it grid kids back in the day. And I basically ran bootlegs and just outran everybody. I also returned kicks and played cornerback. And every time they tried to pass on me, I picked it off because it was pretty easy to pick off passes when they just lobbed them up there. But I had a pretty good arm and I could run. So I could throw the deep ball and I could do the bootleg stuff. It wasn't high level reads or anything like that. I did work with some of the film room guys in high school and kind of hung out with my friends during their film room meetings and would go over stuff with them. But outside of that, I don't have any experience playing. I am just a student of the game, much like my my college idol, Mike Leach. And would I consider coaching in the future? Absolutely. But I would need to be brought along because I don't really know. I'm not advanced enough to be to be inserted into a coaching role, but I would love, love to get like an internship in a, in a position like that and become a coach someday. I just love this game, man. It's so much fun. It's so interesting to me. I can't get enough of it. So absolutely, I would be into coaching. All right, we're going to come back and get to the rest of these questions on tomorrow's podcast, except for the one that asked for Ryan Tannehill's breakout season in 2019. I appreciate the humor, but that's not necessary to talk about on the podcast. Before I get out of here, I want to tell you guys about Grip6 Belts, the best belts in the universe, because their goal is to literally make the best belt that has ever been made. And if you ask me, they've succeeded. Grip6 is an easy, thoughtful gift for dads, brothers, husbands, uncles, grandpas, and even moms and wives. You can see their woman's collection on Grip6.com. They're ultra lightweight with no holes, no flap, and it carries a low profile with the buckle laying flat against their waist, making it super, super comfortable. Grip6 is the only belt that has those features, the no holes, the no flap, and no bulk. Grip6 has a special offer for you guys at Grip6.com slash lock, L-O-C-K-E, 
Grip6.com slash lock. Get your hands on the best belt in the universe. And if you guys have a smart speaker, go ahead and pull up the podcast in your car or otherwise. To do so, all you have to say is play Locked On Dolphins podcast and get yourself tuned in for your daily dose. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast and the new Himalaya Podcast app. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingful NFL. The show is at Locked On Fins. And check out LockedOnDolphins.com for your daily written Dolphins content needs. You guys have a great rest of your Thursday night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.